Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. My dog. My dog. Ben Wallace, man. What's My jig. My best friend, man. That's good, bro. For 10 years, yeah, I'm strong, man. It's been a minute. I appreciate you coming out here. Of bro. course, man. What I really want to get into is your life, your process. Obviously, you're further along than I am with just life after football. And this whole podcast is centered around people developing themselves and then taking it to the next level. So mm-hmm. for me, I want to go through your life, where you're from, how did you get to where you got to, but mainly, importantly, I want people to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Undrafted free agent, made your way into the NFL to the Miami Dolphins. You got hurt, and you had to figure out what you had to do next. So I want to go through that whole process with you and explain to me your journey just to get to the NFL first, and we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. Well, many people don't know, but um, I'm originally from Panama, mm-hmm. born and raised. Um, I speak two languages, Spanish being number one. Um, I rarely speak it, write it, so many people have no clue. But um, originally from there, mo- mother and father from Panama as well. I um, was a military brat growing up, so I went to school on base. My dad served the U.S. Army. Um, due to that, I had opportunities of moving to the States or having dual citizenship for that matter. So um, fast forward, 2000, sorry, 1998, I moved to Puerto Rico uh, due to treaties with the Panama Canal in the U.S. We had to move out of Panama. So we went to Puerto Rico for a few years. Um, Our situation there towards the end of our two years there wasn't that great. So I ended up moving back to Panama. And then in 2002, I ended up in San Diego, California. Um, Went to school there. Um, originally a soccer player. Many people don't know this, but I played for the <laughs> I played for the national Panamanian team when I was uh, 11, 12. Coming in? Yep, national Panamanian team. What position? I was a defender, and I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player, to be honest, because it was my passion, my love, everything. And then fast forward to San Diego. I played soccer there initially when I first got to high school. And then somehow ended up playing football. Many people don't know this, but I played football for two years prior to playing in college. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. Story, isn't it? yeah. Yeah, 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 it's crazy. And um, I honestly didn't even know why the ball was shaped like this. You know, I remember looking at this like, what the heck is wrong with these people? And um, just the thought of running full speed and running to someone else wasn't something I necessarily was too excited about or fond of. So. It took some convincing. Um, I was at Oceanside High School and the football coach saw me and he thought, man, this kid's got size. Why is he playing soccer? He should be playing football. I'm not gonna go through the details. I mean, we'd be here for three hours, but um, I ended up, the story is I ended up playing football for the first time my, what would have been my junior year or senior year, because I got held back in high school because I transferred from Puerto Rico to, to the US. And um, I ended up picking up the, the sport pretty quick, fairly quick actually. And I ended up being the receiver who had been probably playing football his whole life, um, Pop Warner. And here comes this guy that's never played football and beats him out. It's just annihilates him. And, um, and uh, fast forward again, you know, senior year, I would have been my senior year in high school, I was coming out of Oceanside with about 16 or 18 full ride scholarships. And, um, I was two years fresh from Panama there, and I had offers from Michigan State, Oregon, Nebraska, which was my first, Oregon State, I mean, pretty much at the time, the whole Pac-10. And um, I chose to play at San Diego State for two reasons. Number one, because they were in San Diego, so the thought of moving out again Mm -hmm. and going and establishing myself again in another state was just not an option, and they were at Nike school. So, so I was eliminating all the Adidas schools. <laughs> I was like, all right, not playing in Nebraska, not playing at UCLA. Those, those were Adidas schools at the time. I really thought San Diego so, State was Adidas. No, they, Adidas were, they were Nike. No, they're still Nike. They were Nike and uh, Russell. Uh, the uniform, the uniforms yeah, yeah, were Russell. Big old R. R yeah, the ugly match, R. Yeah. So luckily, I only played one year on the Russell. Brand. Walmart brand people. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, we changed to Nike. But... I don't regret my decision. I think it was by far the best thing for me at the time. It fit me the best, Mm -hmm. uh, given the fact that I was still adjusting to living in the U.S., 
not having my dad there with me, present at the time. It was my dad's sister, who was my legal guardian at the time. So it was tough for a 14, 15 year old who moves from another country without his parents, trying to make it um, through all those challenges at such a young, early age. I work with so many kids now, and just the thought of thinking, man, here's this 14, 15 year old on his own. Seeing the kids I work with now, I don't know how I did it, yeah. you know? So, you know, I persevered. I uh, fought through it, stuck it out, and um, here I am today. Shit. So it, it worked out. Definitely That's, worked out. Well, <laughs> it's crazy. We It's similar. Like, it's weird to hear your path and to hear mine. It's like I played soccer. I played offense, and I ended up playing defense going into college. You played defense, and now you end up playing offense going into college. Right. So when you were in college, you played, you played well. What was your process your senior year basically going into the draft process like how was that um well it was similar to my high school to college process i had no intentions of playing in college i wanted to graduate from high school because that's what i had promised my parents mm -hmm. and then get out of dodge i was going to be on the first flight back to panama as soon as i graduated from high school and be happy again with my mom and dad mm -hmm. well that didn't work out it's kind of like people say you know you make plans and got less but yeah. um Again, I found myself in a situation where like, oh, okay, well, I'm doing something to please someone else. And those, that someone else was my mom and dad. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to make them proud. I'm going to make this sacrifice worth their time mm -hmm. and worth my time. Um, so I go to San Diego State. Uh, same thing, go through the whole process, just kind of uh, taking me wherever my path is taking me, my journey is taking me. Um, fast forward to senior year, like you said. Um, I had a strong junior year and I had an okay senior season. So I didn't really foresee an opportunity to play in the NFL. I knew it was a thing just because obviously I was maturing, getting older in the sport. But the problem with me at the time was that my mental uh, toughness had not caught up to my body. You know, I looked, I was a freak of nature, you know, fast, strong, um, very gifted. I could catch the ball, et cetera, all those things. But my stats just didn't show that my senior year. And the reason I say that is because then I had my pro day in March, uh, which felt like an eternity training for it. I started training December 31st or December 29th or something like that. And my pro day was March 24th. And um, at the time I had signed with Adi Attar, who was the, one of the few people who took a chance on me at the time. I think Adi maybe had, I don't know, six or eight clients. And Adi, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was just starting at the time. And he took a chance on me. He was like, I'll pay for your whole training. Like, it's all good. Play for your whole training. I had other guys that, other agents I had spoke to that wanted to pay for half of my training. And thank God I had a coach who really cared at the time, like Charles McDaniel, my receiver coach. And he told me, look, if they're not willing to pay for your whole training, don't sign with them. That means they're not fully committed. And so anyway, pro day, I run a 4-4. Four -four. Um, I'm 2-30. I jump a 10-4. Vertical was a 38. I benched, I think, 20, 225. So I put all these, times? 20, 20 times. I put these crazy numbers out there. So the scouts are like, man, this dude is a freak, but like his stats, like what's up with the stats? Like they don't, why if he's so, you know, these are his numbers, why? So anyway, that was my knock. And now looking from the outside in, I know what it was. It's just, I simply was not caught up mentally to the game. I was just so new in the game still. Timid. I was timid, exactly. I was just still not letting it all out. I was just getting in my own way. Mm -hmm. And um, so anyway, due to that pro day, I got so much opportunity. It just opened new doors. I remember the Cleveland Browns and Miami Dolphins wanted me to come back a second day after my pro day and do a private workout. And they had me run the 40 again. I still ran a 4-4. They wanted to make sure it wasn't a fluke. Right. Ran a 4-4 again. And I remember at the time, the scout, his name is Adam, I believe. And uh, I won't repeat what he said, but he's like, that's a big, fast... And uh, and I just remember, like, yeah, that's right. You know, I worked three months for this, you know. I remember Adam? Yeah, he was our we scout. Yeah, like yeah, 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 he was our scout. I remember his ass. And um, I just remember, like, man, this is crazy. This is surreal. And I took a few trips. I remember I flew up to Tampa. It kind of the same process going from high school to college now, from college to the pros. I remember the, the Bucks flew me out. Uh, Cincinnati flew me out. 
And then I took a trip to the Chargers because it was local. Yeah. But um, yeah, I honestly didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if I was gonna get drafted or not. They said my stock had gone up a lot just simply on my pro day that I was now looking for sure at a, from fifth to seventh round. Mm -hmm. um, and of course I never came. I was unrestricted free agent. Um, my choices were, at the time we were looking at rosters, me and Adi were looking at rosters and my choices were Chargers number one, Cleveland Browns number two, and then Miami number three. I immediately said Miami just because I wanted to get out of San Diego. Yeah. I went to San Diego State, went to Oceanside High School. I was like, I'm not doing the Chargers. So, of course, Adi fought me. He, a lot of pushback from Adi, like, no, don't go there. It's too hot. He was trying to talk me out of it. It's too hot. You're not going to make it. It's just tough, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I know why he was doing it. He, he meant well. I mean, he was yeah. just doing it because he wanted the best for me at the time. But I just was stubborn. I was like, I'm not going to play for the Chargers. I'm out of here. And so... I, here I am, you know, I came here to Fort Lauderdale and um, exactly what he said, rookie mini camp, it's hot as hell, <laughs> it's three days, three days of misery, uh, they're throwing all these plays at us to see how much we can retain and I just remember thinking like, man, well, this is the choice I, I made, I'm, I'm rolling with it mm -hmm. and I was happy with my 10K that I signed with, you know, this is the most money I probably ever had in my bank account and um, I thought I was balling. And I just remember, <laughs> I just remember thinking like, yep, here it is. And camp came and man, I made the best of every opportunity. And that was just kind of one of the things that stuck out to me the most. But um, it was different. It was a different mindset for me. I don't know what it was, but going into camp and as tough as it was, you know, physically and mentally, of course, um, I just found a way to persevere and to push through you know, the hard days. We had the real two-a-days at the yeah, time, you know. Yeah, the last uh, two-a-days. Yeah. Oh we had the real two-a-days or the two padded pra two padded practices. It wasn't, you know, the pads and then the shells or whatever they do now. Um, it was the old-school way, and it was really, really tough. But the only thing I can think of that really got me through was my mom and dad. You know, that was my biggest, biggest motivation. I would get up in the morning and just almost feel like crying. Like, man, why am I doing this? Like, this is hard. My body feels... Like SHIT, I'm out here struggling mentally, physically. Is this really what I want to do? Is this worth it? But I pushed through, and I'm glad I did. You know, I, I became the third Panamanian to make an NFL team in the history of our country. Um, the first guy was in the 70s. He was a receiver or a DB. He played for the Bengals. It was back in the 70s. And then we had a lineman that played for the Ravens in the 2000s or 1999 or 2001 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then myself in 2010. And I know I, I made history. It was um, a surreal feeling. I still remember the day. I was just talking to you about that yesterday. We were driving by where we were at. I remember it was the last day, or it was they had till 4 p.m. To, to finalize the roster. And we were watching a movie down the street here at the movie theater, and I just remember being nervous as hell. And then I didn't get the call, and I still thought, like, no way. I'm going to show up tomorrow. Worry, I was like, don't stress I'm going to show up tomorrow, and they'll be like, April Fools, <laughs> coach wants to see you. And, but man, it was surreal. I still remember like it was yesterday, just pulling up into the locker room and seeing my name tag up there. I was just like, wow, this is crazy. All that work you put in. Yeah, and but it was worth it. I think, because we came in at the same time. We same had to time. be the same. Mm -hmm. Man, you remember when they had to, we had to run, we had to run gassers and then go to minicamp when everybody reported back. Like that was the stuff we had to do. Yeah during the original CBA that people don't understand. Yeah. That was tough, I know, especially for you. And I mm -hmm. remember when you came in, you were quiet. Yeah. You were, you were the guy that didn't want to be out there. You were no. just trying to figure it out. Yeah. I could just tell. Because we didn't start hanging out. For a while, actually. It wasn't until after the season. Because you, I think you stayed around because you didn't want to go back home. So you stayed here and then mm -hmm. we just, we went, like we rode jet skis, we went to Orlando, we just started hanging, it's just yeah. weird. It's, I don't know, it's because we were on different sides of the ball, we were yeah. both rookies, yeah. we got our own crap to do, but that's why I remember you kinda, I remember in camp you were just working hard. I remember you, I remember a couple other guys, young dudes, like Marlon. Yeah, Marlon Moore. I can't remember who else was there, but it was like, you, Marlon, I think Julius. Yeah, Julius Pruitt, You yeah. guys were, that group of guys, because I remember Rizzy would highlight you guys sometimes, mm -hmm. like in special teams, that's yeah, where you guys team. really carved out your niche yeah. was to show everybody that you could play special teams and then I saw as the season developed these guys started playing offense I would mm -hmm. look out sometimes I seen number 18 I'm like 
Oh, shoot, he's up in there. Oh. <laughs> he's running the route. Is that Brandon Marshall? Is that? Because you were just as, like, you guys, yeah. if you looked at it, you guys were comparable. Yeah. And I know at the times I would see it because, I, shoot, I was on second team, third team, mm-hmm. so I would have to watch Brandon, and then sometimes I would go against you or I have to watch you, and I remember he would get on your case a lot. Oh, like, He yeah. would really get on your case. Yeah. And at first it shocked you because... It was tough. I know it was. It was tough playing behind Brandon. I was like, golly, this dude. But you got it. Eventually, like you said, once you figured it out, it became easier. And I could see it because I was going against you a lot. So I could tell, okay, he's starting to get more confident. Mm -hmm. He knows where he's going. Because you can tell when a guy's thinking and when a guy's not. So when you started getting more comfortable, what were some of the things that helped you get to that point where you felt like, I can be here, Mm -hmm. I can do this? I belong. Yeah. Well, I think it's exactly that. I mean, I remember competing, going against um, Sean Smith a lot and going against, um, um, shoot, help me out. Uh, other Fonte. Fonte Davis. Benny Sapp. Yeah, Benny Sapp. Will Allen. Yeah, Will Allen. Yeah, going against those guys and just being able to beat them, you know, um, was um, a confidence booster for yeah. me. Because uh, especially in that bubble, I mean, the Friday practices were my favorite because yeah. we were in AC. Yeah. I wasn't getting tired <laughs> like I was outside. And I was just out oh, in there rolling. I had wheels you, for days. Yeah, you did. Inside. Yeah. yeah. Everybody did. Yeah, but when you yeah. get outside, you just, It was a different story, man. It's just like a different devil, player. I'm like, man, who's this player? Like, yeah, exactly. I don't know who I am. Exactly. But, but I think that that's what it did for me. I think the the scout team going against our number one D. And then I knew at times it would upset them. Like, man, like this rook, like take it easy. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, I, I had to make this team. I didn't get drafted. So I I was all about making the team so I can then help my mom and dad. So again, like going back to that, that was my number one motivator. But but I think um, definitely that was the, the turning point for me was when I realized that I could compete, that I belong, that you know I'm going against these guys that are so-called first rounders or whatever, starters, mm-hmm. et cetera. And then having Brandon too, you know, it was tough, definitely tough playing behind Brandon, but because he cared, you know, he was always on my case, like you said. Mm-hmm. I remember he would get mad at me when I didn't use my size. Yeah. And um, that was one of the biggest things that I wanted to make sure I could develop was using my body, my physicality. And, um, and I don't know, I think, I, I think it's, it's, it was a combination of things, no doubt about it, but ultimately being able to be around those guys that were successful and then me having some success mm-hmm. against them and with them definitely built my confidence for sure. That's good, man. So your time that you were there, Till what 2012? Mm-hmm. And I know you had an injury that you were dealing with. Yeah. And I remember seeing. I used. I was pissed because yeah. it's. They were forcing. Well, first of all, you got hurt in 2011. You messed up your quad. Yeah. So you got put on IR, and I remember it's like shoot. Well, one of my best buddies is yeah. not here. Yeah. That whole season, I hated. Like it yeah. was so miserable. We yeah. were, we were 0 7 starting yeah. off. I used to see you. I used to come to the crib. You're just. Yeah, I'm chilling. Man, we just lost our fifth game in a row. I'm just like, God, I wish I was home like Roberto. Yeah, I like But I know you were pissed because you wish you right. were out there. For sure. So Definitely. then we go to 2012, and I remember you just came out balling, possessed. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, oh, I'm, yeah. he looks good. Yeah. Like, everybody else saw that, too. Yeah. And then you had a tweak. You had an injury again. And yeah, hamstring. That, to me, I, I felt like was unfair. But that's a whole nother yeah. conversation. Right, that's just the nature of the beast. Exactly. That's just the business side of it. But... Um, and that's the thing that, you know, now working with so many kids, I try to use my experiences and what I learned from the NFL. You know, the, the people think, you know, people relate money with the NFL so much, and rightfully so, but for me, there's things that are more valuable than that that I was able to take with me and take away from the NFL, where obviously being in an environment that is so high-powered and so high-performance, so about um, results, and um, I try to convey this to my kids now that I work with, or anyone that I work with for that matter, that you know the NFL teaches you so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though at the time I was bitter and upset about exactly that, that I felt like the team had no loyalty towards me because I gave that team everything, especially, you know, Sperano, you know, rest in peace. Like he was one of the reasons I was there. Mm-hmm. You know, he told me in our exit meeting my rookie year that, man, like he, I remember I hurt my knee too, mm-hmm. week eight. Oh yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Week eight. Um, against Baltimore and I was out for like two three weeks and and even though I was out being injured is by far one of the toughest mental things you can go through because the the amount of guilt and that you put on yourself that man I'm not out there with my teammates or like I'm on IR and I'm Mm -hmm. collecting full salary and these guys are out there you know working yeah and I'm in here just making all this money although I was at home 
every week I just remember feeling terrible. I was embarrassed to show my face because it was a quad injury yeah. and I was walking normal. So people would be like, what's wrong with you? Exactly. Be like, well, you know, if you want to really know, you can ask Kevin, <laughs> you know, he'll tell you. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that was just one of the things that I remember. That was a tough year for me mentally because it, 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 I had so much confidence going into the season and into my second year because I had built, got some momentum. I had a good rookie season. I, I know I had a lot of tackles on special teams. Uh, I had a lot of snaps. You're actually the only person that blocked for me on kickoff return. You were the only. I would always run to your side. I would. It would always be a bounce to the right. I said, nope, I'm going to the left. Roberto is holding up. Uh, yeah, I see that 18. Sure. Yeah. If it's facing me, yeah. I'm good. I'm to good. Go. Yeah. I can either run out of bounds for sure. or I can just get tackled yeah. right there. But I used to get. Oh my God, yeah, to the right. Stuff. Oh, I remember this. Sometimes I'd be on my back. Like, Where's Berto? And you used to get destroyed on that right side. Oh my God, it was one time. I think it was Green Bay. I got flipped. Annihilated. I remember looking up, and I just remember seeing you. You're looking at me. Are you good? You're like, damn, let me pick you up real yeah, quick. Please pick me up. <laughs> and I knew it wasn't your fault because you would I always know. come. I mean, you're doing your job, but yeah. everybody else wouldn't. But, I mean, shoot, yeah. you took your jobs very seriously. Yeah, you for sure. Definitely. Where they put you. So Definitely. for you to feel like that, I, I completely yeah. understand how yeah. you feel. So since, really since you got your injury, people don't understand, you got hurt prior to that. I remember you mm -hmm. got hurt either a week before when we played the Jets or during that Jets game on Monday night. You tried to come back out, mm -hmm. mess up your quad again. Yeah, I guess the, the Patriots. Oh, it was the week before then. I, I got hurt at home against the Patriots on the Ooh. second kickoff. That first game, and like, oh. Yep. Yeah. It was a Monday night game. Yeah, we got second, game. second kickoff. I was running down, and I pulled up. And I just remember the dude that was blocking me put his hands on me. He's like, you all right? You all right? You okay? I'm like, nope. <laughs> that was a long <laughs> night. I remember that. And thank God he wasn't mean where he just tried to kill me. Yeah, you know, he was yeah. like, you good? You good? You're lucky you got brother-in-law right there. Right, so I, he definitely brother-in-lawed me. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I knew, I mean, it was bothering me all camp. I remember going in for treatment all the time. I would tell KO, like, man, my quad, it just feels like, you know, when you feel like a muscle's about yeah. to pull, and that's how my quad always felt. And I was going in there getting, you know, heat and stem and, and making sure that, you know, it was it Good was nice and loose, and you know, nice and loose before I went out and sprinted. But and then what hurt me, yeah, what hurt me was just sitting on the sidelines forever and then trying to run in there full speed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a tough year. Um, I set out that whole year. I came back my third year, vindictive, like, you know what, I'm going to have a great year. And that's what you pointed out. You know, I was coming in there. I was feeling myself. That's when Chad came. Uh, that was an interesting year. We had hard knocks. Oh, God. And, uh, yeah, and I just, that's another thing. Hard yeah, knocks was yeah, just right. another thing that definitely, um, I'm not going to say his name, but there was a coach in there that deemed me ankle weights. But he also was it our offensive coordinator. It was a, the the assistant receiver coach. I'm not gonna say his name. I'll but say his name. <laughs> he actually is a receiver coach for the Chargers, I think, right oh, now. I'm not gonna say his name. And then um, anyway, I thought it was the other one. Yeah, this dude deemed me ankle weights, but he didn't realize that Brandon wouldn't have practices where he felt like he didn't want to practice. Yeah. So guess who had to take his reps? His backup. And now I'm taking double the reps. I'm tired. It's camp. It's hot. There's some NFL coaches I honestly I hate because I feel like they abuse power and just because of their position where they are. And I they never, see it all the time. And they never did it. They never had the opportunity. They're living vicariously through us. Exactly. You know, and it's just like I get it. You know, you played in college and you didn't make it to the pros or you got a so try out. I'll right. take it on you because right. they don't feel like you're you're deemed right. worthy enough. But the only guy that I can say was like really supportive of me during our whole tenure there was Brian Hartline. I remember Brian coming up to me and saying Man, like, I, I just want to let you know I really appreciate you going out there and taking the extra reps. Because I remember one time he was out, and then Brandon was out. Mm -hmm. And at practice, I was taking, like, quadruple the reps. And then I had all the special team reps. I feel bad for you. I just look at him and be like, hey, look. But I just felt like a team player. You know, that's, yeah, that's just yeah, me. Yeah. That's my heart. So yeah. I was like, you know, even though it's a business, I never looked at it. I would look at it like, this is my team. I'm going to do whatever it takes to, for us to succeed, yeah. right? But, you know... It's, it's, that's just how naive I, I could be sometimes where, like, you know, they don't look at it like that, but... That's what they drilled in our minds, you know, when right. we first were there. It's right. like, you got to be a team player, yeah. a team player. Right. It's all about the shield. It's all about the team, and you're second. Like, yeah. that's what you... Right. That was your mindset coming in, so anything that's that wasn't with the team, you feel guilty about doing by right. yourself. So if you were trying to, I don't know, if you weren't trying to take a rep or you were trying to get away from a drill, right. you would always feel guilty for not partaking right. in it because... It took away from the team. For sure. And you'd always see that people, you know, we had yeah. Ireland, we had Parcells, yeah. 
they would always look at us like, stop being selfish. Or, right. Or you're not hurt. A toe is not a, a, yeah. an injury. You know, yeah. they would always say turf toe is not an injury. Yeah. It's like, all right. Yeah, it is. It, it Try to run with the turf toe and exactly. then come talk to me. You remember the quote that they would have up on the, uh, in the training room? You remember that? No. About like coming back? About you're not a you're not a player if you're in the trainer room. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah, used yeah. to see that? Yeah. I used to see it all the time. Yeah. It just reminded me. I was like, man, I can't get hurt. Yeah. That's all I was thinking. So when you got hurt, I knew you weren't faking it. But no, in your no, mind no. you were trying to show everybody you weren't faking it, but everybody was you know how people are. Yeah. You just think, Oh, he's hurt, he's not valuable anymore. But going basically past that time, obviously they released you. Everybody saw it on, mm-hmm. on hard knocks. So after that, how did you cope with that and how were you able to get over that? That hurdle because I remember, shoot, when it happened, I was I tried to help you as much as yeah, I could. Yeah. You would, I mean, I would talk to you. Went to Tennessee and then you went to the CFL. Yeah, I remember it was hard because you did so much at Miami to go somewhere else where people obviously didn't value as right, much. I appreciate that. Yeah. How was that through that process going? Because I know it was tough for you, mm-hmm. but it was, she was hard. Like I couldn't tell you what to because I never yeah. been through it right, before. Right. I could only just be there to support. So how was that for you in that time? Um, so once I was released in Miami, of course, we had um, Coach Philbin and I didn't have much of a relationship with him or Sherman. Horrible. He was horrible too. And uh, I just remember clearly going and walking into Philbin's office and he straight up told me like, look, man, I really didn't get to know you. Like, I don't know much about you, but like, I'm sorry. Like, just you said like, it like that? Oh, he said it like that. Like, I, it's on hard knocks. You know, I we, watched, I never watched right, I can't, I could, probably could never watch that episode again. But he was basically just telling me like, hey, you know, Tough luck. I didn't really get to know you. I, mean, I don't know much about you, but I remember Sherman. Uh, we were playing Dallas. I think Dallas was our last preseason game. I had my left hamstring that I hurt against Atlanta the prior week, mm-hmm. and I was going against Grimes. Yeah, hurt my hamstring running in on him. Then I went to Dallas and hurt my other one during that game. So I'm running over there with two bum hamstrings. I saw you. And I jumped off sides. And on the episode of me jumping off sides. Sherman was like, well, we might as well play with the guys that we're going to keep. And so that was his way of telling me already, or pretty much putting it out there, like, oh, we're not going to keep him anyway. Wow. Which is, hey, sure, a new regime came in, new coach, new offensive coordinator. They want to play with their guys. Sure, no problem. I understand that. I know for a fact that if Sperano would have still been the coach, the outcome would have been different. Oh, I would have still been on man, that team. Yeah, I would have been man, on that team. By far. So... At the time, I was hard on myself because, you know, I felt like I let myself down. Like, yeah. you know, I screwed it up. I messed up. But in reality, I was just the system. You know, you're, mm-hmm. a, a new regime came in and they wanted their guys. And I, now I can look at it in, in that perspective and go, okay, well, that's fine. I can live with that. Yeah. I know I gave it everything I had. Mm-hmm. I'm out there running with two bum hamstrings. You know, any other person would have been like, I'm not playing. Yeah. But it's all good. Then I went to Tennessee. I signed. Uh, I stayed ready. I was released. Um, I remember I was so bitter. I probably, after the, from the day I got released, and then we came back to the facility, I don't think I spent another two weeks in Florida. Yeah, you were I remember, gone. I was gone. You were out. I packed up, yeah. shipped cars. I remember. I remember I had red. I had red. You was gone. I had red. Pack up my whole apartment, and I was in San Diego. I began to rehab down there with a guy named Derek Samuels in La Jolla, and he got me right. You know, he got my hamstrings right. Um... I was working out, I was training uh, with my trainer at the mm-hmm. time, um, and I was staying ready. I was staying ready, and then week one of the new season, that, that following season, or that same season, week one went by, week two would go by, week three, no one would call me. Oh, I lied, backtrack. Well, I got released, and then while I was still here, I remember I had a really good game against the Bucks yeah. that, off that preseason. The Bucks had me come out there probably two days after I was released. I remember telling Adi, make sure they don't have me run a 40 because my hamstrings, are, there's no way. Yeah. And Adi was like, yeah, 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 no, they're not going to have you run a 40, which they did. They told him that. Mm-hmm. But then I get there, and the grass literally looked like the one outside in your house. Like It looked like it was jungle, mm-hmm. and they wanted me to run a 40 in that. They literally yeah. made me run a 40. You still ran it? I still ran it. Again, that's just my nature of how ple- I wanted to be pleasing. Right? I should have just at the time said no. Now looking at it, I should have said, hell no, I'm not running 40. Shoot, don't sign me. Send me back home if you want. Yeah, I would have done that. And um, I ran the 40. I did height, et cetera, all the BS. Mm-hmm. Came back. 
they had me run routes. I couldn't can run routes. There's no way. Mm -hmm. I wasn't explosive or anything. My hamstrings were shot. So you forced yourself out there. Forced myself out there. And then they had the audacity to tell Adi, like, oh, yeah, you know, he, he dropped one or two balls. He just didn't look explosive. Like, well, yeah, we told you. <laughs> you know, the yeah. guy had two hamstrings. So anyway, then I went back to San Diego after that. I was even more pissed now. Mm -hmm. uh, went back to San Diego. Um, started training, like I mentioned. And um, I had a few workouts. I had a workout with Green Bay. And at, I think this was week eight. At, by then, I was recovered. I was in shape. I had been running routes. I'd been working out strong as hell. I went out there and I killed the workout. Uh, they didn't have us run 40s, but they had us run routes. They had us uh, do vertical and things like that. And I killed it to the point where I don't know if you remember at the time. If you played more than nine games your rookie season, you burned your your eligibility for practice squad. Yeah, that was yeah. a thing. So because I played, I think 14 or 15 games. Uh, my rookie season, yeah. I, I couldn't be on practice squad. So it's like burning a red shirt in college. So you couldn't just sign on the practice squad. So they couldn't sign me. Up, yeah. They literally said unless, we w they said to me after the workout, that Green Bay liked me so much, they said, if you would have had practice squad eligibility, we would have signed you right now. And you would have been on practice squad. But unfortunately, you don't because you played more than nine games. Mm -hmm. And they said, you're first on our list, but the only way I could get signed by them is one of the receivers went down, which I would never wish upon anybody. Yeah or anything like that. Yeah. So that was a bummer. So I went back, um, still hopeful. I think week nine went by, week 10 went by. Then I had to work out with the Chargers. So I was like, oh, I'm killing this because yeah. there's nothing better now than playing for the home team. I'm exactly. in San Diego. Yeah. Um, different mindset, different perspective now. I go in there and same thing. I destroy the workout. Uh, the guys that they brought in, there's two receivers in there that I was like, all right. Like, nope, you're, I'm not worried about you, not worried about you. There was one guy at the time, I don't remember his name, but. Played for Missouri. He had a lot more at the receiver position experience than I did. Mm -hmm. And so I was the only guy that I was worried about the workout, but the dude was, you know, tired, huffing and puffing, bending over. That was the one thing that I learned is just don't bend over, don't show weakness, yeah, don't show, yeah, yeah. you know, the body language. I wasn't bending. I was catching the balls, running hard on the fades. And they kept us both in the end. I talked to, to the, obviously the coaches, and I think I talked to the player personnel guy, and then they ended up signing him. Uh, and he had two ACLs. <laughs> he had his ACLs on each knee. I was like, dude, man, what? I was like, all right, if I can't, if I can't get signed like this, going against a dude that got two ACL surgeries, I did better than him. Tragic, I don't know. Tragic, man. I don't know how I'm gonna sign with anybody. So tragic, bro. Didn't end up signing with anybody that whole season, and I did at the end uh, after week 15 ended. The, the regular season, I got a call from Tennessee, and Tennessee was like, we're going to give him a one-year deal. Mm -hmm. That's when then I went to Tennessee, and I went out there, and I was with, uh, uh, man, what's the name of this receiver? Uh, Kenny Britts. Remember they had yeah, Kenny Britt? Yeah, yeah, Kenny Britt. Yeah. Kenny Britt was out there, and um, uh, number 85. Uh, he was, oh, he, there were, like, the starting receivers out there. And it, and it was, you know, they had Mark Mariani. Yeah. They had Ooh. Kenny Britts. And I went out there and I was like, oh, Washington. Was, what? Yeah, 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 vet, super vet. He was good. He, he was, was good. good. He was good. And um, deceptive. Yeah, deceptive. deceptive. Good routes. Um, he kind of reminded me of like a Devon Best a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I went out there and I just remember like, you know, analyzing the team. Like, oh, I definitely have a good chance of making this team. And um, I went out there with the good mindset. Same thing. And then I got hurt out there again. You know, I was running a post, and I remember I planted. It was inside. They had a bubble as well, mm -hmm. just like in Miami. Same deal. And I planted, and my ankle just, it was a loud pop. And I was like, oh, I broke it. Mm -hmm. But it was a sprain. Yeah, and so that kept me out for the remainder of uh, the OTAs, which luckily was towards the end of the OTA. So then I went back home, and I started rehabbing again with Derek. Mm -hmm. And I came back, even though it wasn't 100%. It was a lot better than it was when I left. Mm -hmm. But again, they had an offensive coordinator that, you know, these offensive coordinators that are fixated on people. Yeah. And I'm not gonna, you know, speak bad on anybody, but there were some receivers that I for sure that were not I working as hard as I was. I can, play DB, I can talk and, uh, <laughs> But the you know, these these guys are so fixated on guys like, oh, because you know, they're and they're already in their minds have their minds made up that this is going to be the starter, so yeah. I'm going to devote all me all my attention. To they this know guy. that back in the spring, they right. try and have you go right. through a whole month of training right. camp, but they know who's right. going to be on the team right. back then. So. And so, same thing. I didn't make that team. I didn't even make the 72, I think. And um, after that, I was very defeated mentally. I was just like, all right, I'm done of being treated like second, yeah. 
secondhand, I don't know, whatever. And then Adi said, well, how about this? How about you stay in football shape? You go play in, in Canada. They're going to offer you more because you're an NFL player coming to Canada. You're going to automatically make more money than, you know, the average mm -hmm. Canadian player. And he's like, go up there, play one year. It's a six-month six season. It's pretty quick, pretty short, and then you'll be right back in the NFL because you'll have football tape. And I was yeah. like, all right, good idea. Let's do that. So I signed with Montreal. Montreal had my rights, so I signed with them, and I fly up to Montreal. Um, they were paying me 80 grand coming off of making... <laughs> Uh, yeah, almost like 500, 500, yeah. Four or 500 and um, I just remember thinking like all right this is a huge pay cut but you know what I remember it's that. a job yeah, I I'm gonna go out there it's a different country and let's see I'm, I'm gonna go out there I, I play in the NFL I'm not worried about the CFL like please um, that was my mindset right mm -hmm. at the time so yeah I get out there in Montreal uh, I didn't know what to expect. I just I thought I was gonna go to Canada, and I have always heard like, oh, Canada is just like the U.S. Mm -hmm. Well, not Montreal. Montreal was like France, so I was like, I'm in Europe right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yo, this is Europe. Like, hold up, time out. Yeah. No one told me I was moving to Europe, you know. And the Quebec district or city itself, Quebec City, where Montreal is, or my, I might have that wrong, but anyway. Everything's French. Mm -hmm. It literally feels like you're in Europe. You have like Renault. You have those brands. You know what those you weird. Mike? What it, you there with him? I was there with Mike Carter. Yeah, What's up, Mike? Yeah. yeah, I was there with Mike Carter. And then, uh, man, I remember meeting Mike. Like, man, this dude's crazy. Mike had an apartment. I'm going off topic, but this is hilarious. Mike, <laughs> I love you, Mike. <laughs> Mike had an apartment that was maybe like 600 square feet with two big ass Rottweilers. <laughs> I have a Rottweiler right now, by the way. So oh now God. that I think about it, like, Mike, how the hell were you doing that? Like, that's crazy. And I remember walking in Mike's there. a different cat. Dude, it's he is. Cat. But he's so cool, man. Mike, I love you. But we're talking about you, but I love oh, you. That's my dog, man. And, oh, um, man, it's crazy. So I was up there, and I think, honestly, like, Mike, going back on him, Mike was one of the dudes that definitely made me feel better while I was there. Yeah. Um, because it's just so different. It's a different dynamic. You... Like, you know, all the all the NFL teams are different. Right? Yeah. Franchises are different. Some facilities are better than others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's still the NFL. Mm -hmm. Not the CFL. You get to the CFL, and it's the same thing. But, man, our facilities were terrible. I think oh, we man. had, I don't know how many players, 60 players maybe, and we had two trainers. How many trainers do you have in Miami? Like eight, nine, yeah, ten, eight, and nine, then nine, all the helpers? Got our ankles taped. Right, pronto. everything. It was just not the same. You would practice... You would, you would get paid a lot less, but I didn't understand why. Now I know why. So you come in, there was no film watching after practice. So you would come in, it was a four-hour day. Our days here were, I mean, I remember getting up at 5.45. I'd be here by 6 yeah. in the hot tub, uh, cafeteria. We had meetings. Schedule already. All the meetings, Might right? Come practice, come out. And then, shoot, we'd be home. I'd be home by like 5, five again, 5 p.m. From 5 to 5, not the CFL. The CFL, we would get, I would get there at 8. That's the other thing. I lived downtown Montreal. Mm -hmm. I had to walk to the metro, get on the metro, try to get a metro card, get on the train. The train would take me all the way to work. Uh, no one spoke English, or they did, but didn't want to speak English. Everyone looked sad and depressed out there. It was muggy, cold. Um, I, we were practicing in this really old stadium, I guess, where they had the Olympics when, at, at one point. Mm -hmm. And our field was in, wasn't even there. We would have to then show up to practice there, meet. Honestly, I think my high school facilities were better. I'm, let's just say that. Then we would have to get ready real quick after meetings, get on a bus, then a school bus, a yellow bus. It would bus us to another high school field, and that's where we would practice. And then after the practice was over, that was it. The day was over. So it was four hours. And I was like, oh, this is, this is okay. I'm making like six grand a month, you know. Like, I could do this, you know, whatever. I could tell oh, you didn't uh, feel, no, you didn't not feel at all. it. Because I would not talk to you and check on you. Because I was happy. I was, yeah. I was thinking, well, I got two of my best friends that are yeah. playing on the same yeah. team. This is cool. Yeah. Yeah, and no. I would hear you. Like, man, this ain't it. It's different. It, it just, <laughs> it's I could different. just tell your vibe. Your, yeah. You were, I could tell you were leaning towards, look, man, I'm about to be out there. But, yeah, like, I'm I, done. I could just tell. Kind of like every week, like man, I'm on, yeah. I'm practice squad, but I'm not even playing. Yeah, I'm just practicing the practice. And that's the other thing. Then I found out they had a ratio. I didn't know, I didn't understand that. So there's 11 players or 12 players, whatever it is, on on the field. But mm -hmm. 
there, there's a ratio. You can only have X amount of American players on the field at a time. I don't remember the ratio, but um, of course, the majority of the players uh, on the field were American, but then you still had to have the Canadian players. Mm -hmm. I think I think in Canada, our team at the time had all the old line was Canadian, but then all the skill players are American. Yeah. The quarterbacks are always American. Um, and it was the same thing. Then I, the longer I was there, I started finding out the politics. I remember I came in first practice, came in, and ran a bomb. I think they threw me a, a post. And uh, I remember, Tro is it Troy Smith? Remember Troy Smith, yeah, Ohio yeah, State? Yeah. That was our quarterback. Yeah, I was like, oh, shoot, we had a Heisman yeah. Trophy winner quarterback. And this dude threw me a bomb. And then after that, I caught it. And I was number 80. And I remember the player talking to man, number 80 is not playing around. I remember the DBs, like, he came in to kill. And mm -hmm. I turned around, and I was like, yep. Like, I'm here and I'm out. Yeah. My plan is to be here one year, play, and get out. Yeah. Like, I'm going back. I'm going to prove everybody bad mm -hmm. uh, in the NFL and prove them wrong. And uh, same thing, the politics. A month goes by. I'm still not playing. I'm still on the practice squad. I'm talking to Audi, like, Audi, what's up? Are you talking to these people? Like, I'm here killing. Like, mm -hmm. they, they can't stop me. They had this thing called the waggle where I've always played outside receiver. In the CFL, I played inside receiver. Mm -hmm. I was a slot. Mm -hmm. And the inside receivers waggle. So we start 10 yards off from the, from the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. And the quarterback goes like this. And then as soon as he does that, we start running. Mm -hmm. And he times it. So when he hikes the ball, I'm already running full speed. Oh, no, I'm not. The DBs are standing at me flat-footed. I was running him over. And it was legal. I could literally dip my shoulder on the DB, put him on his back, and keep running. So we ain't got no rules? It was, it, it was just different. It was different. But what I did was just run around him, and I was wide open every time. And I was doing that at practice, killing our starters. I remember our starters were getting mad, but I look at him like, dude, you're not, you're not scary. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm playing out here with... High schoolers. Yeah, like, yeah. no, it doesn't matter. Like, no offense to CFL. Yeah, of course, yeah. no offense to it's CFL, just, but... It's a big deal. But it's like, I just came from the NFL. Like, I'm not intimidated by any of this. And mm -hmm. I was just out there extra confident and... That just goes to show, you know, how much the mental aspect of the game is is so important and so yeah. powerful. But anyway, to fast forward CFO, not to speak too much on that, is just basically I went out there and, and dealt with the same type of politics. And so I got discouraged again and just was like, man, there's just like, no, I can't compete with the politics. I can compete with the players, but just can't compete with the politics. Mm -hmm. And there was guys out there making 120. I think we had a receiver that was making like 150 or 140 or something like that. And uh, I was making 75, but that was 75 Canadian money. So whenever you transfer your money, that could be, I don't know, 65, essentially. Yeah, exactly. So then I, the thought started creeping in, and I can make just as much being a medical sales rep back home or more. Mm -hmm. So then my mindset started transitioning. That's when I knew I wasn't going to come back. Mm -hmm. um, so then after my first season in CFL, I just decided I was going to hang it up. I wasn't making enough money to be incentivized to go back to the CFL and having to live in Montreal for six months in the cold mm -hmm. um, in that city. Nothing against the city, it just wasn't for me personally. Yeah. But uh, then my mindset started shifting to medical sales, medical sales, because I had friends that were doing it and mm -hmm. they were making 110, 115. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and I don't have to beat my body up. Yeah. I gotta do is just yeah. look good and go talk to doctors and be in OR rooms and make that, money. Yeah. I remember you pitching that. So I was like, yeah, I'm out. So I started kind of transitioning mentally, even though I was still technically signed by them. So it went from having a one-year deal to a two-year deal mm -hmm. with the Montreal Alouettes. And then um, I just didn't go back. They were blowing me up. Audi was like, hey, man, they're calling you. They need to talk to you. Are you going to go back? And I was like, just yeah, tell them right. I'm not going back. Because I remember you just... I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. And I didn't even know like how that operated or worked or people. Yeah. It's just one day they say they're done and then they're just not yeah. there anymore. Yeah. And for me, I was trying to grasp it. Like, what do you mean when you're done? I remember when you were finished, you lived in California, you lived in Carlsbad. I came and visited you. Mm -hmm. And I just remember just trying to observe and see, are you done for real? Because I'm so used to guys saying they're done, but still working out. Yeah. To get back in it. But you were just. I was done. You done. were, you were I was finished. Checked like, out. Look, I'm doing this now. I'm gonna start getting into training, yeah. and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna figure it out. Like I just yeah. remember your, that was your mindset. But I still, I'm still in the football world. I'm yeah. on the other side of right. it, thinking, this guy's crazy. Like, why don't you just try and get back in it? Yeah. You know, you've been, I've known you for, this time it was 2013, maybe. It was 14. 14. Okay, so it's been four years. Yeah. By this time, I'm just now in it. I'm just assigned with Philly, so I'm yeah. thinking, there's a whole nother part of it past Miami. Don't don't think Miami's yeah. like the be-all, end-all, but yeah. 
I could just tell, like, I dropped it after a while because I just knew your yeah, mind was, checked was out. just yeah. on that. So what was, I guess, kind of run me through, because you have a gym. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to explain that too. Mm-hmm. You have a gym called Time Performance, mm-hmm. and you're successful with it. Mm-hmm. And I want to highlight that because I feel like most football players, they come out of it not knowing their identity. Mm-hmm. But you didn't really know your identity, but you knew what you wanted to do. And you knew that if you took this process, you would figure out your identity. Mm-hmm. So how was that path and how was that experience to get to where you are now? Mm-hmm. Well, um, shortly after I had um, decided that I wasn't going to play football anymore, that I was going to close that chapter and move on, um, I pursued medical sales for a little bit. So mm-hmm. I was um, trying to use my resources back in San Diego or my my um, base there of people that I knew mm-hmm. to get into this field. Um, and uh, so I started interviewing with Stryker, which is, you know, they, they like athletes. You know, most of their sales reps are athletes because of the characteristic traits that we possess mm-hmm. as, you know, punctuality, teamwork, accountability, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And they like, you know, the good looking type because that's what's appealing, you yeah. know, for, for doctors, et cetera. And, um, so I was I was uh, playing with them. They were my number one target. They're one of they're one of the biggest medical sales companies, and um, that was an uh, interesting time because thankfully I had saved enough money. I had a financial advisor that had me scared mm-hmm. to spend money my whole NFL career that mm-hmm. I actually had some savings, and I'm thankful for that. You know, so I was kind of buying time essentially to allow myself to transition into what was going to be next. So I was persistent about being in medical sales because of um, how lucrative it was at the time. So I was applying with Stryker, and I didn't understand that Stryker had such a long interviewing process. I must have gone to four or five different interviews just to make it to be part of, you know, the company. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, being my luck, I was interviewing and I was making it from the first interview to the second interview. You know, he had to come suited and booted and the whole thing. And I was doing that and I was going from one interview to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. So happened that the lady that was in charge of making the decisions of whether, you know, I'd be hired or not, had breast cancer. So she had to step away. Dang. So then that screwed up my whole Dang. process. So I basically did all that for nothing. I was driving up to Laguna to different interviews and I was going to LA for another interview. It was crazy. And um, so then I found out that there was a former uh, pirate or high school, you know, Washington State High School pirate that was the district manager or regional manager for Johnson & Johnson, which is another big uh, medical sales or surgical tables. They're also in the, that industry. Mm-hmm. And they had more of the work-life balance because Stryker is one of those companies where they're pushing numbers. So that would have felt very much more like being in the NFL again because mm-hmm. they're pushing numbers and goals and you have to meet certain yeah, criteria exactly. every month, et cetera. And I know this because I have actually some former teammates from San Diego State who are actually medical sales now, reps now. Yeah. And um, anyway, so I'm going to Johnson & Johnson where I'm hearing like, oh, you know, this is a better company to work for because there actually there's more work-life balance. You'll make a little less, but you'll have a company car, so you don't even have to have a car. You yeah, yeah. drive your car, all, their car all the time. I'm they pay for it. gas, I'm all good. that. And you start at 75. That's not bad. No, not at all. You don't even need a car. So I was like, oh, this is great. That's an expense I don't even you cut out. Yeah. So essentially you're making more money and you, if you value it that way. Mm-hmm. And so that also kind of went by the wayside. So now I'm, I'm super frustrated at this point because I was like, man, what the heck? Like nothing's going my way. And so at the time, my trainer, who was my trainer in, in, when I was playing and coming out, I was just one day, 2014, I'm sitting in the house and... And uh, he's like, man, I'm looking for someone to come in and help me. He had a gym, you know, a big gym. Um, and I jumped on the opportunity. He had me start with kids. Mm-hmm. And I just remember him probably, I think he asked me on Thursday. I was in there Friday. Like, yep, I'm ready. Let's go. Damn. Walked in there. He has me starting with the kids. And from there, the rest is history. You know, I, I was in there all the time. I, I every, Like, you know, you know me. Everything I do, I do it 110%. Mm-hmm. So I was in there, you know, taking it very seriously, um, and I just developed a passion for it. I started actually liking it. I've always been a, a player, a person who excels in the weight room. You know, it was just one of the things where I felt like I was the most successful at, you know, lifting mm-hmm. a weight. There's no assignment. There's no play. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just lift the just weight right and there. get it done. Yeah. 
and I was good at it. So I enjoyed that, that side of it, the training aspect of it. So I, I began to, you know, um, not, there's just so much detail, but just to kind of give you the overall uh, picture on it, I just developed a, a relationship with a lot of the kids, the families, the parents, and just eventually started creating a following for myself. Um, that gym then failed and um, went a different route. Yeah, the gym that you know he had started initially kind of failed, and uh, and not kind of it failed. And it is funny how life works. But I ended up taking over that same space, and that's when I started my first company called Keen. And the way it worked is I had the investor that he I have never actually spoken about this publicly, but I'm happy to do so now because I'm is way it legal? past that. Sure. Okay, then go ahead. Yeah, and so I had an investor that then helped me rebrand the same space which in which I worked for in and for him to now my brand with this same investor. And not to go into crazy detail, but I was they had a five-year lease um, and they had two years left on the lease. Mm -hmm. I took over the last two years on the lease. Now, I did not sign anything. I just was, my job was to make it work. Yeah. So we rebranded. Um, I took the opportunity, of course, like I've taken all the other opportunities in my lifetime, didn't look back and went for it. I took the leap. And so, of course, it was not realistic now knowing the actual business side of things. It wasn't realistic to bring a prior gym that was in the negative, not just financially, but culturally, mm -hmm. and then bring it back to even and then bring it back to a positive, yeah. essentially. And so there was a lot of work to be done. I think I spent the first two years of my opportunity, the first... The, the two years I spent about seven or eight months without changing the culture. There were still people walking in, not checking in. Literally, we walk right through the doors, going and start working out. Because that's the kind of culture that the other gym had. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I spent a lot of time doing that. And ultimately, it was not realistic to, to achieve the end goal of making it profitable, yeah. et cetera. So that was in 2015 where that opportunity ended. So then me and the investor kind of went our separate ways amicably. I'm very thankful to him, though, because he gave me two years to actually develop myself and create myself, my brand, and a reputation. So um, then I was in limbo. So I was torn between just continuing to lease space from a friend that I was uh, leasing space from at the time and just do that because it was, you know, it was money. I was paying bills. I could get it done that way. Mm -hmm. Or start another facility on my own. Mm -hmm. So then um, <clears throat> I'm in limbo for about four or five months. I, I lose some of the revenue streams that I had at the prior gym, like independent contractors and yeah. things like that, because they had to find places to work at. And um, I felt terrible about that. And I don't know if they know that or not, but it was just something that really um, affected me because I, I am the type of person that I don't I always want to do right by everyone and yeah. I felt like although it was out of my control you know the the thing not working at the prior gym I still took the blame and I yeah. felt obviously the horrible guilt. about yeah, it the guilt. so then mind. fast forward to 2008 uh, yeah 18 or so 17 18 I don't remember now it's all a blur to be honest but I started my own gym and I thankfully ran into a, you know, not ran into, but connected again with the former teammate of ours, Koa Misi. Yeah. And um, Koa. Koa, you know Koa. Koa has a great heart and he's just uh, such a great guy. And as mm -hmm. he's, he's another of the many people that have come into my life and have been monumental in my success and part of my success. And, um, he came in as an investor for Time Performance. Mm -hmm. He, um, Koa came in uh, as, as well, kind of retired. Koa recently is now going through the transition. He's obviously further along now, but at the time, he was just fresh out transitioning. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was an opportunity where, you know, it was perfect timing. There was a good opportunity for it. And, you know, I had, again, somehow reconnected with him. And uh, I brought up the idea, and he invested. He invested in time performance. Mm -hmm. So, very thankful for Koa, and I hope you know this. But uh, he job, cool. he helped me essentially build what I'm building now. And although it's very premature, still it's still in the infancy stages. 
the first two years of time it were pretty rough. You mm -hmm. know, it's just because like any business, you know, you don't start a business and you're successful right yeah, away. Exactly. But the business is definitely moving in the right direction, mm -hmm. although slower than I want. Um, it's still moving in the right direction. Yeah. And so now I have Time Performance, which is the new company that I have started. It's a gym, same model, same concept, but at a smaller scale. The first gym I had started with the investor was 15,000 square feet, which is ginormous. Um, this one now is 4,100 square feet. And what I've done is I've replicated the same thing I was doing over there, over here, mm -hmm. right? Obviously with different tweaks here and there, um, I've perfected some of the things that weren't necessarily successful with the first gym. I took some of the good from the first situation and now I'm using them in the, mm -hmm. in the new situation. And of course, you know, you run into your challenges and things like that, but um, the one thing that I've learned in a, the hard way is, is patience. You know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, from many successful guys that I follow in, on Instagram or that I um, try to model my, my business after, is, and they all speak about the same thing. It's just patience. If, if you don't have patience and perseverance and you don't stick it out and you don't fight for what you really want, you're never going to make it. Yeah. That if, if you're not patient, you might as well just go work a nine-to-five. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's one of the toughest things I have to learn. You know, I think for sure the first year of time and the second year of time has been by far the roughest, even more so than the NFL. You know, it's been really rough financially. I've been in places where in lows that I never thought I would get to. Mm -hmm. um, and no one knows it, but there was times at, at time where I didn't know how I was gonna put gas in my car. Mm -hmm. Cause I was more concerned. I would rather pay my rent, pay my bills and not eat yeah. than to make sure that time succeeded than myself, you know, that, yeah. putting gas in the car or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's gone to that. And I felt like in my life growing up in a third world country like Panama and things like that, I was in similar situations. You know, I was in, in times where my mom and dad, you know, we were eating rice, eggs, and ketchup, Dang. you know. And, like, people don't know that, but it's just, like, I don't talk about these things because it's obviously, like, who cares? You know, everyone has their stories, you know. But I'm just saying, you know, it's just when you're at times like that and you're in those lows, you know, I think you, like, for me, I guess what I'm trying to say is just I'm just not scared of failure. I'm not scared to be in the lowest of the lowest because I've been there before. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, the first and second year of time, there was times that reminded me of those times as a kid growing up when my parents were like, man, I don't have, I don't know how I'm gonna eat. Wow. I just posted on my Instagram, I did the post of this about this and it's not, I didn't even obviously go in great detail because I don't even think I have enough room to write all the font, you know, <laughs> there's not yeah. enough room for yes. the font, but um, there's many times where I've, in the last two years where I was at time and I was like, man, how the hell am I gonna put gas in my car? How am I gonna get to work today? How am I gonna pay rent? Mm. How am I gonna eat? What, what am I gonna eat? Yeah. But but the end goal has always been there. I'm so persistent and so optimistic that I wasn't gonna let that deter me from my goal, which is I'm gonna make this successful. Not to just make the people who've helped me come this far proud, but to, to prove that, you know, if you persevere, you know, you can ultimately achieve whatever you want in this life. Mm -hmm. And I've come so far. I mean, I come from a little country where, I don't know, to be honest, how the hell I'm here today, but you know, there's so much that I've lived through and witnessed and seen and, and hardships that I've gone through that something as little as like, I don't know how I'm gonna put gas in my car to get to work. Like, that's not gonna stop me. There's yeah. no way. I've yeah. gone through way harder things than that, mm -hmm. you know? But the reality is as a business owner and, an, and a sole proprietor and entrepreneur, it's just tough. You know, there's a lot of people that want that, but man, no one sees that. Everyone just sees the success. No yeah. one sees how you got there or the mm -hmm. things you go through or hard it is you know it's it's still hard even though I'm in a much better place today believe it or not in the midst of a pandemic March of 2020 has been where time has now finally begun to move in the right direction actually move the needle essentially and um, I don't want to say that you know the pandemic is the best thing that's happened at the time because it's not the greatest times right now but it Accepted, it, it, it kind of has been you know to. and um i'm grateful for that and I, there's not one second that i'm not grateful for all the people who've contributed to my success or helped me because there's no way i didn't do i've done nothing that i've done in this life has been by myself mm -hmm. there's been there's so many there's too many people to name you know of, that have helped me 
get to where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. You know, not that I'm the most successful person, but I mean, in my young life, I've achieved a lot. I've lived through a lot. I've done a lot. I've seen the world. I've traveled. You know, I've done things that people won't get to do till maybe they're 40, 50. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But the point is, like, I'm very grateful, very um, happy with where I'm at in life today. You know, um, obviously, I'm not perfect. There's so much I still have to work on and still learn and still get better at. But as long as I can look myself in the mirror and know that I'm giving it everything I have and that I'm actually trying, it's, you know, I can live with that. You know, it's just so, kind of one of those things. What's next? Going forward, now that you've <clears throat> been through the gauntlet and you feel like, shoot, I'm, I'm finally at a point where I'm turning the corner, what is your vision for you going forward? Um, kind of like a conversation we had earlier with your friend, um, I just not, not getting complacent. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just for me, it's, it has to continue to move in the right direction. It has to continue to grow. I don't want it to get to the point where there's a steady plateau. Mm -hmm. I just want that. Even if it's a very gradual incline, it mm -hmm. still has to be an incline. Exactly. And um, just not regressing, just not making the same mistakes again, yeah. you know, yeah. things like that. Mm -hmm. And just, just growing with people. The, the one thing that I know I want to do is just I don't want to do this by myself for the rest of my life. I want to be able to grow with someone. I'm not trying to be the only um, person who benefits from what I do. Yeah. If I could bring someone along that I trust, even though they haven't gone through what I've gone through or, or done the things I've had to do to get to where I'm at today, it's okay. Like jump on and let's just keep moving together in the right direction, you know. And, mm -hmm. and obviously, I... I always want to do right by everyone who's helped me be to where I'm at today. So that's always my priority as well. And I'm still working on that. I'm still, there's a lot of people I still have to prove right. There's a lot of people I still have to be thankful for and, and essentially repay, mm -hmm. you know. So those are the things that I definitely want to make sure I get accomplished and I do and just continue to grow, really, you know. There's, there's a few clients I have now that own franchises and one in particular that I look up to a lot, and she doesn't know this, but Gina, Gina Rivera is her name. Um, she, I look at her story and where she's come from and the kind of success she has now. And she's a big motivator for me, even though she doesn't know that she's probably gonna be surprised when she hears this. But, but um, yeah, I just look at people like that and I'm just mm -hmm. like, wow, you know, I want to one day be able to do that. You know, maybe have time to be a franchise yeah. where now I'm not so much of a technician, but now I'm just a manager and an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's obviously, long-term goals and things like that but you know that's essentially where i want this to go no oh, shoot hey man that's a good conversation yeah i did a lot of talking i'm thirsty that's we need good a, we need a yellow water bottle here next well, we, we'll, make, we'll make that next year no no bro definitely you've you've come a long way man i've seen it's crazy 10 years have gone by yeah fast. it's crazy we've been we've been to vegas oh god we've been <laughs> we've, uh, <laughs> we've been to Vegas. We've been to Vegas. I've been I've been on your couch multiple times. Oh man, I've uh, we've done a lot together, man. Yeah. Definitely, I'm I'm proud to see where you've come. Yeah. Even in Same, spite man. of everything, Same. like you've gone through a, a whole bunch of stuff. You've had a lot of people tell you no, but you're in your mind. You just continue to just keep going, and I think you you have turned the corner. I've mm. seen it. Like I've seen everything and I always feel bad because I'm just like man brother I feel like you're out there doing it yourself so mm. for you to to be in this position where you are now definitely man hats off to you because there's yeah. not a lot of people that can do that coming out of the league or coming out of any type of sport or any type of profession and then carve their own way and create their own brand create their own business mm -hmm. definitely man cheers yeah, to man. you bro cheers, I appreciate you talking with me for sure you can go back in the pool now and <laughs> sip on your tequila and do all that stuff and, yeah, man. and enjoy your vacation. Man. I'm going to have a headache tomorrow now. I'm drinking this and then I'm about to go drink some tequila. I'll give you some uh, drama meme. No, I'm no. on vacation. I'm on vacation, even though this is something I wanted to do. Um, I've been talking to Nolan about being on this podcast, I know, for now four weeks. And here I am. But, uh, yeah, man, it's a pleasure. You know I love you like a brother. Love you too, bro. And, um, yeah, this has been an interesting journey and same following you, following everything you're doing. I think everything you're doing now is great. And um, and you're carving your own path as well. I mean, your yeah, post-career endeavors look good right now, and I like it. Yeah. 
got to like do it, it. man, because there's nobody else going to do it for you. For so sure. When you look yeah, back at it, everybody will appreciate where you've come and how you've come. So it all pay off, man. Don't even yeah, worry about it. So for sure. Definitely appreciate you coming definitely. all the way out here, seeing my son one. Yep. And then just drinking a bunch of tequilas. Yeah. Just endless. He's been making tequilas since he got off the plane. <laughs> He's just here doing tequila, it. Tequila. Tequila. Man. We need to come up with a YOLO tequila next. Make one. I got like 500 bucks I can invest in right now. I'll demo you. free, bro. All right. Well, you heard there it. You for heard free. It. You heard it. You heard it, I got, Phil. I got 500 bucks so I can invest, Phil. No, just, just do it for free. What would that buy? Like the, the, the labels? <laughs> Maybe the cap. Oh, man. That's funny. Cheers, guys. Shoot, man. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.